Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 23, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 83, the second paragraph, beginning with The Spiritual Life. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the 12 Steps will be Ken. Reading the 12 Traditions will be Tracy K. And reading the text will be Helena, uh, Sharon H., I think, and Janice. The share ID for Sunday, June 22nd, is 6534. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, our big book study, at a vision for you, Big book study, excuse me. Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ken to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the, another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I will now ask Tracy Kay to read the OA 12 Traditions. 
This is Tracy, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Canada. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Tracy Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requ- requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. I'd like to just um, make a correction that our second reader is going to be Sally. And today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 6, Into Action, on page 83. The second paragraph, beginning with the spiritual life, I will now ask Helena to get us started. Good morning. This is Helena, recovered in New Jersey. 
The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. I just have a few thoughts to share about this. Um, I noted that it's right in the uh, middle of or near the end of step nine. We are making direct face-to-face amends with those people that we have harmed. And in particular now, this section is talking about the family. That we were reminded in the last few paragraphs that there is a long period of reconstruction ahead and that we cannot just say we're sorry, we must live. First, we analyze the past with the family and explain to them the principles by which we are trying to live. And then we must live those principles. And in this paragraph, the sentence, we have to live it. We have to live the spirit spiritual life. It is not a theory. We cannot talk about this. And those words, we have to live it, are in italics, which means it's very, very important. Um, Our behavior will convince them more than our words. That sentence I have double underlined here. Um, It is not enough in making amends to to, to state an apology. And I know we've gone over this many times in the discussion in the past few days. We must actually live. We must make living amends. And this is this reminds me very much of the chapter, the family afterwards, in which we are warned several times that all will not necessarily be smooth sailing as we live with our family and as we make amends, our living amends. But it must be done. We do not talk incessantly about our turnaround, about how we experience God. What we do is show people. I found this very difficult. I want an immediate reaction from people around me. Once I've, I think I've turned myself around or God has turned me around. But we are warned in both the chapter two wives and the family afterwards that it will take a long time. And here we go. The last sentence in this paragraph. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. I think of how many times I said to my mom, I won't eat such and such a thing, please don't make it. And then, you know, within an hour, I was eating it and asking her to make more. Wouldn't that make a skeptic out of anyone? Didn't 10 or 20 years, I was 27 when I came into program, didn't 27 years of eating compulsively and all the behaviors, the dishonesty that went along with that, didn't that make a skeptic out of me at the time? And then when I turned around, how could I expect others to know and trust me immediately? Uh, We had to show them my behavior had to change. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Oh, well, I would. (laughs) This is Rebecca. I'm stuck on that first sentence, a spiritual life is not a theory. And I'm thinking about before program for me and how I thought I could find a spiritual life at a New Age bookstore. You know, that was about the extent of my um, 
relationship with the spiritual life. And um, who knew that I would turn into someone who talked to God all day long, you know, and had a, have a relationship with God. And not only who knew that that would be me, but that the way I would find it would be due to the fact that I had a problem with my weight. It, it's just miraculous to me, and it is not a theory for me anymore. Um, it was back then, and so I can understand why um, my family and my friends are might be skeptical because I used to, I would have been skeptical too um, if I had met me on the street, you know, or if I was one of my friends. So um, I have to be uh, kind, tolerant, patient, and loving and not very um, um, over-the-top with my friends and relatives because um, I remember I used to not be like this, and it must seem strange to others. But uh, for me, it works, it works, it works. So with that, I'll pass. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Larry? Hi, Larry. Hi, good morning. Larry, a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, yeah, that you know, <laughs> spiritual life is not a theory. It's, um, it's not conception and... Uh, you know, and uh, it used to be for me, a lot of things for me were were things in my head, you know, conceptualizing. And it's so beautiful when, you know, once I had the spiritual awakening as the result of working these steps, it's amazing how how um, my spiritual life became doing, just like the steps were doing, rather than conceptualizing and thinking about it. Um, my spiritual life is doing every day it's doing every day. I'm either taking a step towards disease or a step towards recovery um, in my thinking. And then most importantly in my action, which is certainly preceded by my thinking. So um, of course, you know, as it indicates in this, in this paragraph, you know, um, other people, um, they remember the Larry who may have talked spiritual, may have, um, pontificated, spiritual, and conceptualized and all this stuff, and yet I treated them like, you know, garbage sometimes. You know, I was so full of my resentments and my fears and anxieties and all my character defects, and now, you know, I have this program, and this program is, of course, a spiritual program, so my doing is different. My doing is different. In the midst of of, of challenge and of, uh, you know, they haven't changed perhaps. Uh, my circumstances haven't changed. Um, life on life term has, terms hasn't changed so much. God has changed me. And so all my doing, all my action, and, you know, is, is, uh, is changed. And so consequently over time, they, other people have seen that, wow, this, maybe this was the real deal. Some people will still wonder, and that's okay. That's okay if they wonder. You know, they can go right on wondering. God will, sh- you know, as as a dear friend of mine in program said, and I steal everything of hers. 
um, thank you for noticing God's handiwork because it wasn't me. It's all about God. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Hi, Anyone this is else? Sheila. May I share? Sure. This is Eileen. I would like to share, too. Sheila and Eileen. Is there anyone else? Okay, Sheila and then Eileen. Go ahead, Sheila. Thank you. Good morning. This is Sheila H. from New York. Grateful for another day. Um, I wanted to share on this because I remember as I dug deeper with my spiritual work, I was overzealous with family members. It was like they thought I was becoming like a Bible thumper. You know, I was so excited as I released and surrendered to a power greater than myself, and it felt so good. I wanted everybody around me to feel the same way. And so for the young adults in the family, they would like put their eyes to their head up in the sky, oh boy, there goes mom again, you know. But over time, I watched and I watched them. And, you know, I've always believed that children will watch what you do more than what you say. And they would see me time and time again turn to God and be surrender to God. And what's fulfilling as a parent is when I see them go through whatever they go through life and they have that example that they too will turn to God or a power higher than themselves, and there's nothing more fulfilling than that. I mean, I can talk about it all day long, but um, when I set an example, when I live it, breathe it, and welcome God into every situation, I could see it. Even with family members, you know, they would call me and, and say, you know, I know you're a praying woman, can you pray for me? This and this is going on, or health issues, and I said, of course, I'll keep you in prayer. And so for me, that means I'm living it. And I can set that example, and especially when I could see my young adults turn to God in rough times. So for that, I'm very, very grateful. And I just wanted to share, too, there are some things that I don't bring in my home that, for whatever reason, I don't feel safe with them in my home. And for a while, I felt like I was taking something from them or depriving them. But today, I know if they want that, they can have that outside their home, and it's okay. Just certain things, not everything, but certain things I don't feel comfortable having in a home, and it's okay. Uh, again, I tell myself I'm trying to set an example. Thanks for letting me share. I thank you for your service. Thank you, Sheila H. Eileen? Hi, I'm Eileen, a grateful, um, recovered, compulsive overeater in Ohio, and I am um, just had a brief comment. Um, I love the first line here, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And... Um, the reason I love this line is I have considered myself to be a spiritual seeker for a lot of my life. And um, the beauty for me of of the big book and the, the 12 steps is it is the only place where I have learned how to live it. Um, I've struggled and struggled and struggled at different times in my life. It's like, okay, this is, makes sense to me, but how do I do it? How do I do it? How do I actually put it into action? And, and I am so, even, even in the middle of my mental obsessions, whatever they were other than, than the food, um, so I am really, really grateful for um, this meeting in particular because it really brings for me um, the big book and the steps into um, a, a way of life, and um, it, it's just beautiful. And the other 
because I really felt lost un- until I, I was able to work the steps. I really did not know what it meant to live a spiritual life. Um, I could have belief and I could want to surrender, but I didn't know how to do that. And um, But the other piece that I love is our behavior will convince them more than our words, and um, that is so true for me. Um, I can talk up a storm about spirituality. I even wrote a dissertation about it. But, it, you know, my behavior is the only thing that will be convincing, and it reminds me of our um, tradition of our program is a program of attraction, not promotion. So with that, I'll pass, and thank you, everyone. Um, my life has changed immeasurably since I found um, this a vision for you, and thank you for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Eileen. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Kim. Rabia. Melissa from New York. I believe I heard Kim, Rabia, and Melissa. Is that correct? I think Rabia. it was Larissa. Larissa? Is it Melissa or Larissa? Melissa. Melissa. Oh, I, yeah, Melissa. Okay, Kim, go right ahead. Better ears than me, Rebecca. Thank you. Oh, hi, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Have to. Now, what is it? It is the steps. You know, it's kind of like, you know, to go through steps one through nine, it's kind of like going to nursing school. You learn the specific school set, and then you graduate and you celebrate, and you never go to work. You never go in the hospital. You never utilize those skill sets. That was a big problem I had. I would work these action steps, and then I would go back and just don't eat, go to meetings. You know, I have to make this a part of my daily practice. One of the the mistakes I made and one of the common ones I see when I get phone calls and people who are struggling, they're getting back into that restlessness, that irritability, the discontentment, and they often say, well, I have to work the steps again. And I ask, well, what is your 10, 11, and 12 life like? We have to live these steps. And the commonality I often see is that 10 and 11 becomes a panic button. We only do steps 10 and 11 when things aren't going right our way, when we're so jammed up that the food is, is right in front of us. And then maybe, maybe we'll do a step 10. Maybe we'll look at our relationship with God. And the other huge one is we stop working with others. You know, I think that working with others is often confused because we, get, we think that means sponsoring. The sponsoring is a part of it. And I know one of my, my problems was that I would have one or two sponsees and I was managing their lives so I couldn't have more than one or two. They would get through the steps and, I would, and then I was stopping working with others because if they're already through the steps, how am I still carrying the message? So what, how am I doing that? Am I, am I returning my phone calls? that I get in a timely manner? Am I going late to meetings and leaving early so I'm not talking to the people that are new? Am I not answering questions because I'm more interested in going to lunch with the girls after the meeting instead of sitting there and and talking with those people that are coming back for the third, the fourth, and the fifth time, returning one time again, crawling their way back into the room? So we have to live it. It means we have to make this a part of our daily living. Wasn't my disease woven through the fabric of my existence? 
my recovery now needs to be woven into the fabric of my existence. And the best analogy, I'll end with this, I heard about 10, 11, and 12, is like, it's like I'm on an escalator walking up the down escalator. I have to constantly be in motion. If I stop, that escalator is going to pull me down. If I decide not to do 10, 11, and 12, if I decide not to live it, if I decide to make OA just going to meetings, that I'm going to be taken down with this disease. Now, is that fair? Absolutely not. A lot of people get to walk up the up escalator. But I have learned by working these steps that that is my reality. If I do not live this program 24 hours a day, faith without works is dead. It must be with, through us and in us or we perish. And if that is not my reality, if I don't believe that, if I don't fully concede that, this disease will take me down. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Rabia? Rabia, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, good. Good morning, everyone. This is Rabia, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And what a rich meeting. Thank you, everyone, for your sharing, and um, I, especially the last two people who shared, um, um, the spiritual life is not a theory. And, and I, too, have been a spiritual seeker since I, I was first came into OA in 1978 and was introduced to these 12 steps, and it opened my life to the possibility of a spiritual path, and I've followed all spiritual paths. In fact, I just was blessed to, um, I'm just home last night from a 10-day retreat, a body-mind-spirit restoration retreat, and meditating twice a day, and and I left to go on that living in 10, 11, and 12, thanks to all of you, and this big book study, and and so I, I, you know, I'm in this very um, communal, spiritual environment, and and at least once a day, I am making an amends to somebody for my behavior. And thank God, I have a design for living today, that I can see my behavior and and I can want to correct it and be guided by spirit how to do that. And and last night, and I came home, and now I have the opportunity. Um, to be loving and kind to my husband, <laughs> which I'm sure he'll be very happy about, and um, because and to live in 10, 11, and 12, and and make my home life more loving and peaceful, um, and and also um, I can right away be back at my vision for you meeting this morning, and I am so grateful. And and this morning I go to my face-to-face OA meeting, and yes, I, immediately I can start being in the service of we have to live it. Thank you so much for reminding me. Of course I have to live it. Everything that I've learned up till this very moment, you know, now I can go so freely give what has been so freely given to me. And and I'm blessed for that reminder and a new design for living and way of life. And thank you all. With that, I pass, Rabia. Thank you, Rabia. Melissa. Hi, this is Melissa from New York. And um, 
Thank you so much. Um, I, you know, when I hear that it's something we have to live and not something we have to talk about or um, or just think about, you know, it, it really hits home for me because that's been the, the defining factor of who I've been, you know, before having recovery. Um, I live in my head. I can talk the talk. I have been full of knowledge about so many things, but but inactive, you know, knowing a lot, but doing nothing about it and not living it, whether it be knowing everything about sound nutrition or knowing everything about the right way to mother or the right way to be a neighbor or an individual in the world and not living by those principles. Um, and and that, this is really the, the characteristic of, of what this program is, what recovery is. It's, it's living this program. It's not just losing weight. It's not just knowing the right way to be, but actually being the right way. And, um, you know, and um, what a blessing that I have this spiritual awakening that uh, I'm, I'm connected with my higher power and I can go out into the world and, and, and act, um, whether it be with my students, having a kinder, gentler approach with my mother, my aging mother. I have far more patience and love for her, and, um, and it's just a beautiful thing, and, and I'm just really feeling blessed today with that idea. Thank you, Melissa. Why don't we go on with the next paragraph? If Sally could read that, please. Yes. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would right them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter, and there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases but we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. And as I see it, I think that these two paragraphs that we read this morning go together so beautifully because this previous paragraph is telling us what we ought not do. It tells us unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. And that reminds me of page 77 at the top of the page. In the pro- it says, it is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from an injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. But here in this next paragraph, it's telling us what we should do. It tells us, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. So they're giving us some direct instructions on how we should approach And they're letting us know that there are some things at the beginning of the paragraph, there are some wrongs we can never fully right. 
We don't worry about them. Why don't we worry about them? This, this, what comes to my mind, what comes flying to my mind, these wrongs are my children because they lived with me through so many years of my insanity. And I may not be able to right the wrongs that I have done to my children completely, but I can surrender the outcome, and I do. I surrender the outcome, and I continually, with each and every visit with my children, bring my, my best me. I'm so grateful that I can bring me recovered to my children. And each time I go, I can bring me present. I can bring the true, authentic who I am, not the shell of who I am. And that is the greatest amends I can make to my children. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Was that Lauren S? Yes. Go ahead, Lauren. Thank you. Today, some wrongs we can never fully write, and we might need to send an honest letter. Um, In my amends process, and I'm going to be embarking on another one, um... I threw out all my amends, and I made about, I want to say, 33, somewhere between 33 and 35. I had to write three letters, and that amend was done just as carefully as the face-to-face. And I did uh, one gravesite amends, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to make two more. So those in those examples, the gravesite one, I it was actually to my dog. <laughs> and I treated it just like any other amends. I didn't, you know, put it below or above any other one I made. And I'm also going to be having to make two gravesite amends, I believe, to um, my grandparents. But in the gravesite amends, I had my contact, you know. I went to the site where part of my dog's ashes were buried and I asked is it it okay if I make this amends to you now and I just sat by the grave and sort of tried my best to feel out what my dog's spirit wanted and then I had a picture of my dog and it was it was an experience as if she was with me sitting right there on the couch or in the backyard and um, the letters, I was directed to make letters if mainly if it was a romantic relationship or there were flirting or feelings or any intimacy because my motives might not have been completely pure and unselfish and loving and their motives might not have been completely pure and unselfish and loving. And I just wanted the amends to be what I did wrong, what I want to change, what I might have left out, and nothing more. So I was told to send letters in those cases. But otherwise, I have to make face-to-face 
I have to make the attempt to make face to face 100% of the time. If they live in the, if they live out of the country, I'm saving up my money. I mean, it's not about easy soft. We go to any lengths possible. Any lengths. Uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren S. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Janice, Paula, Amy, Renata. Yeah. Oh, I heard Janice, Paula, Amy, and Renata. Was there anyone I missed? Leah. And Leah. Go ahead, Janice. Okay, I'll try not to take everything here. Um, good morning to you and to uh, Vision for You. My name is Janice M, and I'm from Massachusetts. But we don't delay if it can be avoided. Why? Why don't we delay? Well, <laughs> you know, my disease uh, is a very cunning and powerful disease, and if I delay, it will catch up to me faster than you can blink your eye. And that's why I didn't delay or postpone or procrastinate or rationalize because, you know, i I, I got to get through these, demand, uh, these um, amends whether I like to or not. Um, that's what the delay is because, um, you know, th- that's a master. But today I know it's not my master. But this is, the book is unbelievable, showing us how, what kind of an attitude we should have when we, start, when we go to make amends. And these words, I mean, there's so much definition in here. We sh- this is our attitude. This is how it should be. We should be sensible, you know. What, we'd be sensible. We, we don't be um, uh, servile or scraping. We'd be tactful, considerate, and humble. Okay, humble. What does that mean? How do I go in there? It's not like, oh, holier than thou, here I am, you know, I'm here to make amends, you know, because those, these, these attitudes are, are really manipulated. So I have to be honest here, very, very honest, uh, very tactful, so, showing some, you know, sensitivity to the other person. Um, you know, and I, and I can mostly do this today, not all the time, but when I make amends, I have to be tactful. It's a, I have to be kind. Um, it, it does take a, a skill, but I, don't, I can't be cocky. That, that's what tactful means. And to be courteous, oh, boy, thoughtful, thinking of the other person. Um, it's very, very important. It's telling us how to act. And, of course, servile. You know, like, oh, I'm less than you, and, and that's a manipulation, too, you know, so that they can say, oh, no, you're okay, Janice. Um, so I'm not going to crawl before anybody, um, and I'm not going to be harsh on them, you know, servile or scraping. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Paula? Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovery Compulsory Reader in um, New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm going to start right where it starts, the first line. There may be some wrongs we can never fully write. Notice it puts just doesn't put just right, fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that they would write them if we could. They had the change to finally see they were wrong. Yeah. Now it says, as the, as the paragraph before, our behavior will convince them more than our words. Well, what comes together here is our words and our behavior and then the action. 
but I like what it said here, not like, but I can see we're a waste of time. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. So I can't spend time. If I could, I would. But I'll do my part. And then I, how do I do my part? Even the directions here. I'm going to scoot on down to that last line. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. Ooh, look at the behaviors that we talked about without being servile or scraping. Finally, as God's people, we stand on our feet. Today I stand on my feet. We don't crawl before anyone. What a way to live. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Amy? Good morning. My name is Amy. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everyone who shared. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. I'm going to focus on this as well. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or servile or scraping. I mean, basically, what are they saying here? We're to be sensible. We are to come and approach the person without emotion. We are to be sensible. We are to have our facts in order. We are to understand. We will have worked through with our sponsor about what we're going to say, how we're going to approach. This is not done impulsively or compulsively. I mean, if you go to page 77, it gives you even more detail on how to go about it. At the bottom of the page, it says, under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. We simply tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the path. We are there to sweep our side of the sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile will be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the results. So we are prepared. We are calm, we are courteous, we are tactful. And also I wanted to focus on this, as God's people, we stand on our feet. That is an incredible statement for for us. I, I don't know about you all, but one of the greatest things I ever did was to surrender to this program, admit my powerlessness, so that I could tap into that greater power, my higher power. And with my higher power and aligning my will with God's will and working through these steps, and I found this process all the way up through 8 and 9, I developed a faith that brought me strength, that brought me an ability to do things that I never would have imagined my entire life. Zero, put the food down, you know, develop this relationship, clean up my past, you know, work on my character defects, all of these things I never would have had the guts to do. It talks about standing on our feet. This disease had me cut off at the knees, you know, and now I can stand confident in my faith. You know, I found, you know, it seems like the world projects like it for me. I felt I could never admit a weakness because that was to allow myself to be vulnerable but it was only by admitting my weakness and being vulnerable and developing this relationship with a higher power, I could now have relationships with others, which is what 8 and 9, 10, 11, and 12 were about. And now I can stand in front of them confidently, confidently, not overconfident, but calm and courteous and prepared and be able to make an amends in a manner that I would never imagined possible. I found that my faith was a way of strength that with God I could stand on my feet. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Renata. 
Did you call me, Rebecca, this Renata? I did call you, Renata. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Hi, good morning, everybody. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Um, I want to focus on there may be some wrongs that we can never fully right. Um, that reminds me of my amends to my family. Um, you know, for me, going to any length, uh, God put in my heart that I should go and make amends to my family face-to-face. And they all live in Brazil. So I went there because I I wanted them to see that I really meant how sorry I was for my behavior. But I can never, you know, erase from my parents' memory that I ran away from home and I caused them a lot of pain and hurt and, you know, worry. I, 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 I can't... I can't erase that. I can't make that right. But I can be the best daughter I can today. And I can show them how much I love them and how much I care for them. Uh, Also, my brother, uh, he got married, I think, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And I didn't go to his wedding because I didn't really approve of the person he, he chose to marry. And because I was super self-centered, and I didn't want people to see me, you know, after five years living here in the U.S., like how much weight I had put on, and I was so ashamed of myself that I I didn't go to his wedding, and when I made my amends to him, I realized how much he suffered, like, you know, he said to me, everyone was there but you. You know, I really missed you, and uh, I can't be there. He married already, but uh, I can show him now how supportive I am of his life decisions and his new family, and that I'm, you know, I'm there for him, and uh, you know, be the best sister I can today, and not living the past. So that's what I wanted to share, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Renata. I didn't want to make things worse by interrupting, but someone's line is unmuted and we could hear them clearing their throat. Please check your line and press star 1 to mute your phone. Leah, you're next. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Uh, But we don't delay if it can be avoided, and we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. Um, there's a lot packed into this paragraph here. And why can't I delay? Well, the big book makes that very clear, that delay for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater, is is dangerous. And rebelliousness is going to be fatal for people like us. So, um, you know, these are things uh, that we have to do um, in order to, you know, save our lives. And we're not ashamed while doing the ninth step. This is not an exercise in beating oneself up. You know, I I really feel, and of course the big book is making that clear, that making amends uh, is a very dignified process. It's a very spiritual process. We are doing the right thing. We're trying to align ourselves with God. You know, the program of recovery, these steps uh allowed me to, because the disease forced me to, (laughs) plumb the depths of my disturbances and those impediments that blocked a relationship with my higher power. 
And steps four through seven, you know, allowed for the removal of those impediments within myself so that some love could be revealed because love and hate cannot exist on the same plane. You know, love and resentment can't exist in the same plane, in the same mind. So, uh, you know, my core belief systems and my attitudes and my outlook and the way I interacted with people had deteriorated uh, due to the madness and mayhem of this illness. And it had altered my personality for the worse. That's absolutely true. And it had given my emotions violent twists. And it had made an impact on people. And step nine gave me the opportunity with sensibility, with tact, with consideration, and with humility uh, to make right those wrongs. You know, I think about the serenity prayer, actually, when I look at this paragraph. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change. You know, there are wrongs which I might never be able to fully right. But please, God, grant me the courage to change the things I can. Let me face those people uh, directly. Let me go eye to eye. Let me, uh, you know, let me express how I've harmed them, acknowledge the harm specifically. You know, dear God, let me take responsibility for my part. Dear God, give me the, the uh, courage, uh, you know, and, and the sensibility not to discuss their contribution to that event. And, and let me clear this up. And let me repair, please, God, that damage as best I can. And let me, please, God, leave this office or leave this living room or leave this uh, graveside uh, with dignity and a sense of integrity and a sense of understanding, God, that you made me um, valuable and that my spiritual malady allowed for these harms to occur, but that through the process of these steps, I can, I can hold my head up knowing that I am worthy of God's love. You know, I mean, this is a very beautiful process, very, very beautiful process. And, you know, I also think about the wisdom to know the difference here, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we have to be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of other people. And that's where uh, consulting with a sponsor, with someone else who's experienced in this business of nine step amends is so critical because the truth can be used to injure as well as to heal. And that's where the tact and the sensibility comes in. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Oh, good morning. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Um, I, you know... One of the things this paragraph does for me is make really clear, for me, um, the ninth step, I am not on my ninth step list. We're good? Am I? Oh, okay. I can hear you, I'm just not sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Because this is about my relationships with other people. Um, It's not in my head. And, you know, these days when I make amends, um, I, I don't ask people to understand my story about being a compulsive overeater and needing to do this. 
um, because of my relationship with food. I just say, this is what I did. Um, I'm really sorry. How can I, is there anything I can do to make this up to you? Um, and and leave it at that. I, I had an incident probably a year ago with a, a neighbor that, that was um, really, um, she, she, in the course of making amends, and I, I mean, I had the good fortune to be dealing with someone who, who is interested in um, my story of recovery. And she asked me a little bit about about my program and about what this means to me and how this works. And, and that was a really lovely experience. And it was very generous of her. Um, but I don't, I don't expect that when I go to make amends to someone. The part of the, the being dignified and trusting the God of my understanding is that the God of my understanding understands me and my struggles and my journey um, and, and holds me and the person I'm making amends to in this God's care. So it's, it's trusting the process rather than trying to, to um, trying to control it, I guess. Thanks. Thanks for the meeting that I pass. Thank you, Hannah. Well, with just a couple minutes to go, this is Rebecca. Um, I'd just like to share that I made an amends to someone yesterday, and it was such a spiritual experience. I truly believe that the way this these steps are designed, if we follow them, my experience is that I truly can change. And um, God changes me by following the directions. And there's something about going through that four through nine and actually... Um, coming clean with another person that really hits home in a way that, God willing, I won't forget or take lightly my wrongdoing. And hopefully I won't act that way anymore with this person or perhaps with others. Um, And I'm so, so grateful that um, I've been taught to humble myself and to um, take direction from all of you and uh, ask for God's will and to finally start coming out of denial about the harm I can do to others without even realizing it. In, In the name of being helpful, you know, I think I'm being helpful, but I'm really being harmful. And I couldn't see it for all these years. And I'm starting to see it now. Um, and with that, I will pass. And I want to thank you uh, to everyone 
who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Janice M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Rebecca. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him, as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.